The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike LLC. Do you just take the points here, or do you try to get the first? Get the points, tie the game, because you know that Penn State struggles offensively. And you have to look at it as the Iowa coaches are looking at it. That first drive that Penn State has was a luck drive. You're not going to be counting on deflections and tips off umpires to continue a drive or fake field goals. Absolutely right call, 3-3, three three, second quarter. They're out playing Penn State right now. Here's Mike Meyer, 23-yard attempt, and Iowa has tied the football game. Penn State 3, Iowa 3. Hello, Hawkeye fans. This is John Patchett, and welcome to the football show from Hawkeye's Mike. This podcast features former NFL and Iowa Hawkeyes star Marv Cook. Marv breaks down Iowa's loss in their Big Ten opener at Penn State, and he previews the Northwestern game. This program also features game notes and key stats, plus the weekly Big Ten conference update. This Hawkeye's Mike podcast is one in a series of our three weekly programs this year, which include regulars Brent Balbinat and Marv Cook, as well as numerous guest commentators and reporters. Be sure to check out Brent Balbinat's Press Box Report on Mondays and Thursday's release of the Reporter's Notebook Show. The Iowa-Penn State game highlights are courtesy of ABC with announcers Dave Pash, Chris Spielman, and Urban Meyer. An excellent job calling this contest. We very much appreciate it and thank them. Hawkeyes Mike football programs come to you following every game during the entire season and are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer. One application lasts all day. Try the hand sanitizer used by the Iowa Hawkeyes and remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by the Marsh Cook Investment group in Coralville, Iowa. Marsh Cook, for all your investment needs. Here on ESPN 8, the Ocho, bringing you the finest in seldom seen sports from around the globe since 1999. If it's almost a sport, we've got it here. Hawkeye's Mike is always interested in and encourages listener feedback. Help make us better. Please provide us with your comments and suggestions for programs, guests, and topics by emailing feedback at hawkeyesmike.com or by calling toll-free 866-74-HAWKS. Looking back at the Penn State game, Iowa's offense faced a nationally ranked defense for the first time this season, and the outcome was not remotely close to what Hawkeye fans wanted to see. It was a game where the Hawks' offense couldn't stay on the field and their defense could not get off, resulting in Iowa's fourth straight road loss over the past two seasons. Iowa came into this game averaging 37.8 points per contest, the Nittany Lions held them to just three, and they blitzed constantly in doing it. The all-time series between the two schools is now even at 12-12. and The Hawkeyes had won three in a row prior to this game and eight of the last nine. Highlights for the Hawks were few and far between in this contest. Micah Hyde had his third interception of the season, this one in the end zone that kept Iowa in the game at the time. Linebackers James Morris and Christian Kirksey had 12 and 10 tackles respectively. Eric Guthrie had another nice day punting. And Mike Meyer kicked a 23-yard field 
field goal for Iowa's only points. On the other hand, the Hawkeyes had three turnovers that were very instrumental in killing off drives at key times late in the game, all by quarterback James Vandenberg, who fumbled once and threw two picks. He also was sacked five times. Key stats from this game include total offensive yards, Penn State with 395 and Iowa with only 253. 21-16, first downs in favor of the Nittany Lions. Most meaningful stats, unlike the first four games of the season, time of possession, where Penn State completely dominated with nearly 36 minutes to the Hawks' 24, and Penn State outgained Iowa on the ground, 231 to only 84. Most meaningless stat, third down conversions. Iowa had 7 of 16, Penn State 5 of 14. Field position was not in Iowa's favor either. It started all of its 10 offensive drives inside its own 23-yard line. One other note, under Kirk Ferentz, the Hawks are now only 3-6 and six coming off bye weeks. We welcome back Marv Cook for his weekly X's and O's stint on Hawkeye's Mike. Marv breaks down Iowa's loss at Penn State and previews Northwestern. Well, there's been considerable discussion post-game and since about whether Iowa's offense has an identity crisis. How important is this, and how easy is it for an offense to switch back and forth between Iowa's traditional approach and the no-huddle approach? You know, I don't think it's, I don't think it's hard at all. I mean, I think it's... Um uh, it's a matter of just sequencing and, and, and getting comfortable with it and having the personnel to do it. And right now, I think we're more built to be a, a spread team. I don't think we're, uh, you know, as physical of a team as we used to be. I don't think we've, we've got the, the you know, the, the devastating uh, fullback blocking and the devastating tight end, you know, controlling the edge like we used to have. You know, I just don't think, you know, we're, we're a, a, have traditionally been a, a tough front, you know, let's run downhill. I don't think we have that capability right now, that, that personnel right now. So I, I think it's, you know, it's just a matter of finding uh, the right mix of, of going in. And I, I think we can do that effectively. I'm not saying we can't, but I just think that we need to be able to find the right mix of, of going, you know, maybe three tight ends and pounding you and then going to three wides the next snap and, 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 and finding the right mix of a combination of plays to set things up. And, and, and I, I think they'll work it out. I really think that we have enough talented people in place. You know, as I sit here and talk about Zach Derby not being a devastating blocker, well, but he's doing an effective job catching the ball, you know, and uh, we've got to find ways to play to the guy's strengths that we do have on the football field. The announcers noted several times there, dif- there is a difference between no huddle and hurry up. Uh, can you talk about that? And why wouldn't you mostly do both? You know, as long as you're going to huddle, why not do hurry up as well? Well, I've always been a big proponent of, of hurry up if you, if you feel like you're a superior team. You want more snaps. You know, if you want more offensive possessions uh, because you feel like you're, you're a better football team, you know, no huddle can be, let's get on the ball, let's work clock, you know, like I said, let's change personnel packages and not huddle up, but then force the defense to be ready to go at all, all times. And, and the problem with going hurry up is if you go three and out, your defense is right back on the field. And then if the offense puts together a 10 or 12 or 14 play drive, and then you go three and out again, they're back on the field again. So the hurry up can cause you problems if you're not moving the ball effectively 
and if your defense is having trouble stopping people. So, but a no huddle allows, like I said, it allows you to get on the ball, forces the defense to kind of show you what they're going to be in, and then you can select plays based on what you think their personnel packages are or anything you see in their initial alignment when you're lining up on the ball. Uh, when an offense is running huddle and then they're switching up to no huddle and going back and forth, is it harder for an offense uh, to establish a rhythm or is it harder for the defense to adjust? Uh, I think a lot of times it's, it's actually better to get a rhythm going when you do change the pace. Uh, you know, a lot of times it forces you to kind of lock in your concentration a little bit more, tighten things down a little bit. But, but uh, ultimately, I think, uh, you know, it can help. If you're, if you're having a little problem, it can jumpstart your offense, I guess, is the point. And then defensively, it does kind of force you to stay, stay basic a lot of times. Or you really have to do a lot of stuff during the week, knowing that if they get in a hurry-up mode, well, here's the three blitzes we're bringing. And at that point, usually a team can kind of, if you do it two or three series in a row, you kind of understand that on second down, they're going to bring this blitz. Or on third and long, they're going to bring this blitz. And then you can kind of you know, plan something effectively against that blitz when you do see it the next third and long or whatever. But it, it, it's six one way, half dozen the other, I guess is the answer to that question. Looking at the success Penn State had disrupting Iowa's offense, uh, specifically with the blitz, do you expect to see Iowa's opponents the rest of the season blitz more than usual? Uh, I think you'll see a lot of that. I mean, I think that's the nature of the beast. If you show, uh, if you show an area that you're susceptible, and then everybody's going to see it. it. It becomes the film exchanges circulate pretty well, and, and people get a good view of it. And uh, the one thing is, good teams are going to shore those areas up. Obviously, Iowa knows they got to do some things to tighten those things up, and you know they will. And so now it's you know uh, it's kind of like a chess game. So if 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 we work hard or keep a tight end in the game or on the line of scrimmage to help with protection, now that's one less guy out in the pass routes to help you know minimize the underneath coverage of some of these deeper intermediate routes so you kind of got it you know it's a it's a it's a fine line you walk when you do make changes or adjustments to to pick up problems you've had but ultimately you have to do that you've got to stop the areas that are, that are losing games for you and find ways to uh, to, to correct them and then go out and, and effectively uh, manage you know third and medium third and long situations all right well thinking back over the first five games uh, and the pick game where you know, towards the end there any one play could have meant a loss. Do you feel like this is just not a very good team, or you know, is it an average team at best? I think it's a good team. Uh, I, I think there's, I think there's enough talent there. I mean, I think, uh, you know, I think Vandenberg's a good quarterback. I think the receivers are good. I think the offensive line is, is solid and, and has some great players on it. it right now, somewhat, it's a, just a matter of chemistry. It's a matter of timing. It's a matter of, of developing a little mojo and, and, and kind of a temperament that uh, you know we we can't be stopped kind of a mindset um, and and that's going to take a little time and, and obviously when you face some some good talented teams you're going to have issues i mean i i really felt like offensively and defensively the first half we were doing a pretty good job i thought penn state was making plays on on tip balls and, and kind of unique situations i thought we had good coverage for the most part uh, i thought offensively we were doing some things effectively moving the ball we had to settle for a field goal the first time down or, or one of our first nice possessions and we should have got points you know seven points there and you know it just it, you know i really felt like we were in control we were the better team in the first half and then you know in the second half uh, when penn state put that long drive together and, and really just pounded the ball at us i was just like that's that was shocking, but even then I felt like offensively we'd come back and all we needed was two scores and we'd still win the game by four points, but it uh, wasn't to be. Personally, it looked like this game, more than any other so far, Vandenberg was really staring down receivers. I know the announcers talked about it a little bit. What's going on there? Was it 
because the defense was blitzing so much, or you know, how can the coaches address this in the future? Um, you know, I, 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 some of the packages looked to me like they were two two person routes. You know, he was either going to throw to the you know the, the curl route inside or the swing route. Uh, you know, and he was doing a good job early of, of looking the guys off and then banging uh, the sit route. Now what Penn State did is they ran a lot of robber. They were they were bringing the safety down, taking away the digs. Uh, you know, taking away the curls and getting in the action on the crossers as well. And Iowa actually did it effectively. Tanner Miller was actually doing an effective job of that as well against Penn State. So, you know, a lot of that's changing up looks secondary-wise. But a lot of it is, you know, a lot of teams will have, you know, basically a two-combination pre-snap. You, if you pre-snap it, you say you're going to the left side, okay, I'm either going to take the curl or the swing. And that's, that's it. And, you know, basically if they cover those two things up, you got problems. Um, but usually if it's a zone-type deal or a man-type deal, you know, there should be enough space in there for the receiver to get into that space. And, you know, and I think that's kind of what we saw early when there was a particular play where Vandenberg pumped, the guy ran to the flat, and he banged the sit inside with a nice eight-yard completion. And I think what happened later in the game is we ran the same thing. Now they got, th- they got three over or two because they brought the free safety down and robbed it. And so now when he went to the flat, the flat was covered. And when he came inside to the sit, the sit, the sit route was broke, you know, basically bracketed down. So, you know, that's good coverage. And, you know, a lot of times you just got to burn the ball. You just got to throw it away. Well, it just seemed like one of those games where both receivers and tight ends, you know, essentially all of them, hard time making catches you know how do you address that in game is it just one of those nature of the game things or what's going on you know sometimes i've wondered about uh you play in some of these settings and 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 they're white outs or they're black and gold and if it makes it hard to pick up the football you know and and i'm not saying that was the case but i just know a lot of times uh, you know when when you get in some stadiums certain areas that you get more lights when the ball's in the air obviously it was a day game that shouldn't have been an issue but a lot of times, you know, fans will wear the same colored shirts and, and, and it could make the visibility a little bit more difficult to pick up the ball. But, you know, it's sometimes they just kind of things snowball. And, and if one guy drops a ball and gets it in his head, then maybe another guy kind of starts to do the same and, and things kind of snowball. It, you know, I thought we had a few drops. Um, you know, one drop would have been a touchdown, but we ended up having a procedure call anyway, so it actually saved us because it gave us a chance to score a touchdown on the one drive. But, uh, but ultimately, yeah, I mean, those are those things you gotta you gotta take enough pride in it, and you gotta work hard, and you gotta take an extra 50, 100 catches a day, and until you, you know, we always talk about you do something, you practice something until you get it right every single time. You don't do it until you get it right. You do it until you never get it wrong. So, uh, you know, they'll work those things out, and they'll continue to to improve, and and um, you know, they'll continue to make plays as, as we need them down the stretch. After the Big Ten update, Marv analyzes Iowa's defense, talks the Hawkeyes' situational play calling, and previews the Northwestern game. Vandenberg with time hit, ball out. Gerald Hodges forces the fumble. Who will win the battle under the pile at the 48-yard line? Penn State won it. Mitney Lions get the ball back. What great effort by Penn State defense. How many things have you touched today? Hmm? Ooh, a puppy. <laughs> How many places have your hands been? Ooh, a keyboard. 24-hour hand sanitizer protection just makes sense. Prefins, a silica-based hand sanitizer protects your hands all day. Stays on up to 10 washings, moisturizes, alcohol-free, and safe for the kids. So go ahead, touch anything and everything. Ooh, a toilet. Prefins, keep your hands germ-free all day. 
In our Big Ten update this week, while Iowa played its first Big Ten game of the year, it was week two overall for the conference. The Big Ten is tied for the national lead with six teams appearing in the top 25 in one or more of the three national polls, one of four conferences with two or more top 10 teams in at least one poll. The Wisconsin Badgers remain the highest ranked conference team at number four in all three polls. Michigan, Nebraska, Illinois, and Michigan State are ranked by all three, while Penn State moved into the 25th spot with its win over Iowa in the USA Today coaches poll. The conference is also tied for the national lead with three teams remaining unbeaten at this point in the season. There are only 13 undefeated teams left in the country. Two Big Ten teams are already bowl eligible. Illinois and Michigan each have six wins so far. Three other teams need just one more win to reach that status. And the conference has a national best six teams that rank in the top 20 in scoring defense. The Big Ten has six 16 traditional trophy games, and two more will be at stake this weekend when the winner of the Michigan State-Michigan contest takes home the Paul Bunyan Trophy, while Illinois and Ohio State battle for the Illibuck. Key Big Ten games this weekend, in addition to Iowa hosting Northwestern, all with divisional implications, include Michigan at Michigan State, where the Spartans have won three straight in that series, and Ohio State at Illinois. Next, Marv Cook breaks down Iowa's defense and previews the Northwestern game. There's been a lot of focus and criticism after this game on the offense, but the defense seemed like it had a hard time getting off the field. It was giving up those long, clock-eating drives, even though they held down the point total. What did you see? Yeah, I, th- I thought defensively we were doing a good job. I thought we were in position a lot of times. I thought the first couple drives they were throwing the ball into crowds and we had three guys around. The ball got tipped and they still made the catch. One ball went off an official, you know, and was caught for Penn State. You know, a lot of fluky stuff happened in the first half. And then the second half, like I said, the most, the most disheartening thing for me was the ability with which they were able to run the football. I, I wasn't ready for that. I didn't expect that. Although I tell you, the running back was a great running back. I thought he did a nice job of yards after contact, but also making guys miss and picking up an extra two or three. A lot of the same things that Iowa backs historically do, you know, I thought they were doing. It was a critical, like, third and six, and, and he come, you know, running through there, and he literally <clears throat> munged the last two yards and dove to pick up the first down, which ended up, I think, being the scoring, the touchdown drive that they had. So uh, he was a great, great running back, and, and obviously, the offensive line was doing a good enough job tying our guys up and, and creating holes for them. So, uh, you know, it's one of those deals you got to take your hats off to them a little bit. I really don't like second-guessing coaches. I mean, we're not at practice. We're not on the sidelines. And I believe that nobody really knows their team better than the head coach. But there were two instances that really had me scratching my head when you know, they're not – they didn't really go for anything at the end of the first half. They had a like minute 42 or 43, and you know we'd seen the no huddle work before, and then punting from Penn State's 33-yard line. You know why do you think that happened? And do decisions like this have any effect on the players on the sideline? Sometimes they could, but but you know our mo is what it is. I mean this is uh, Coach Ferentz has had a lot of success with this strategy. You know keeping claims games close, letting your defense win the games. Um, that's kind of been the, 
the mantra that we've had the last 10 years. You know, when you've got a, 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 a tough defense, it's not going to allow points. I mean, you can get away with that. And, and if your defense isn't as strong as it normally is, then you may have a little trouble with that. And, and so, you know, you know, punting from the 33, I mean, Penn State did it late in the game. I thought it was a mistake. They were, it was, you know, fourth and a foot or fourth and two foot. And it was like seven or four minutes to go in the game. And they decided to punt. And, and uh, I mean, there's a chance that they had it to win the game. So I, I, I'm, you know, is uh, Herm Edwards, you play to win the game. You know, you don't play to lose the game. And, and um, at some point you want to make, let your players try to make plays. You know, ultimately, the situation in my head, I guess, at some point is, well, the worst thing that could have happened if we'd have went for right before the half is we turn the ball over and Penn State gets points. Well, that just puts us in more of a hurry-up mode. Well, our offense kind of likes that. You know, we did that against Pitt and, and uh, got a little aggressive. And then a lot of times, you know, Penn State can get in a little prevent mode and, and, and then they get soft and then we get some mojo going. And so, I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a downside to each, each and everything, but ultimately, you know, with our firepower on offense and the way that, you know, we execute against Pitt, I think we need to start taking some opportunities and select chances uh, and calculated risk. Uh, you know, especially when you got a guy like Marvin Minot, just throw the ball 50 yards down the field up to him as a jump ball. Um, you know, late in that situation, if it gets turned over, it's almost like a punt. You know, but you know, we'll see. We'll see if, if things change and, and and how it goes. But like I said, uh, you know, you're right. You can't second guess because we've had a lot of success with it. I guess we are second guessing just by talking about it. But uh, but you know, it is what it is. Kirk has a losing record coming off bye weeks, and overall in college football, away teams rarely win after a bye week. Any idea why this is the case? That's a general trend. I, I didn't know that. I didn't realize the general trend. That's interesting. Um, that, that's it's a little surprising. Um, but you know, I mean, I, I, you know, we're just a, a, a team that you know is is it's, it's a different Iowa team. It's a, you know we have to accept the fact that this is a different type of team. We're not having as much success running the football as we normally have in the last 10 years. And so, you know, that's going to make us change in how we go about our approach. And, you know, like I said, play action pass isn't going to be as effective as it has been for us in the past. And, you know, that's something we've got to, to deal with and understand that, well, if it's not going to be effective, let's not do it. You know, it's it's not have it be part of our game plan. So, and, and, and they will. I mean, like, like I said, I have no doubt that Coach O'Keefe, you know, has certain game plans. You know, I, I constantly put myself in a position. You know, I hear talk of predictability. And, and it's easy to say after a game, well, gosh, we run that zone play. We run that stretch play all the time. Well, yeah, we do. That's who we are. You know, Oregon runs inside zone 30 times a game. You know, but when it's effective, people don't question it. But when you struggle with it, and they go, "Well, you just run zone all the time." Well, no, you run zone 25, 30 times a game. But that's what we do. You know, that's that's who we are. And when it's effective, it's effective. But you know, the one thing I'll ask people to do is, okay, tell me what I was going to do the first play. Then after that, tell me what they're going to do the next play, and start trying to anticipate what they're going to do. And I think you'll find out that it's not as predictable sometimes as you may think it is and, and so I think ultimately you know they do a good job with their screen packages I'd like to see more screens more tunnels more bubbles just anything to uh, to hopefully take the pressure off the quarterback because you're right we're going to see more blitzing while screens and tunnels and bubbles and things like that ultimately put more pressure back on the defense if they are blitzing it. On the defensive side of the ball it was really noticeable in the Penn State game. The defensive line is having a hard time creating pressure. We saw Norm respond to this with a few more blitzes. Is this something we can expect to see as the season goes on from Iowa as well? I think we'll have to. I mean, I think we'll, uh, you know, I mean, as we get into teams that are, are going to be 
good pass blocking teams, sound fundamental uh, disciplined pass blocking football teams uh, that can pass the football, you're going to have to put some sort of pressure on. Now whether you decide to just compress the pocket, keep them in the pocket, make them throw and cover, you know, cover with seven guys, I think we can do that effectively with our underneath linebackers. But ultimately at times, if you blitz, you've got to get to the quarterback. You have to get there. You have to keep them in the pocket uh, because now you've got five or, you know, four or five or six guys covering and, and you've got five or six receivers out in the route. So you've got to make sure if you are blitzing, you're able to get to the quarterback and put, put pressure on them and put them on the ground. What positives can we take away from this and where do you feel Iowa goes from here? Well, I, I, th I think positively, I think Penn State was a better team than I thought they were. Um, you know, I, I was shocked that they only beat Indiana by six. But, uh, but I think they were a more talented team than I thought. I thought their backup quarterback, the guy that came in late, was actually did a really nice job throwing the football. It was very, very effective. And, and going forward, I, you know, it's, we're 0-1 in the Big Ten. You know, I, think, I, think, I still go back to the fact that I think our, our, our division of the Big Ten is, is suspect. And, and if we can just go back to playing Iowa football and, and, and develop a little mentality that, you know what, you know, we're going to play with pride, we're going to play with, you know, with passion, we're going to get after it, uh, you know, we're going to play all 60 minutes. Uh, which they are, and, and ultimately, you know, clean up a few things, uh, you know, execute on third and medium, third and long, and convert first downs, and, uh, you know, ultimately give our defense a little bit of a break. I think, you know, there's good things to come down the road, but, you know, this Saturday is going to be a great test. I mean, Northwestern is, is uh, purse is back. He's, I think he's been very effective this year so far. Uh, at times, they look brilliant. Uh, you know, at times, they look suspect. You know, Michigan at, at times, they had Michigan down pretty good at half, I think, and then, Michigan came back in the, in the second half and, and really executed some things offensively with uh, Denard Robinson and, and gave him problems. So, you know, it's, it's going to be a, a very, very difficult game for us, but one that ultimately if we play extremely well, we've got a good chance to win. Any prediction? You know, I think, uh, I mean, I really think that they'll start, Iowa will start getting their traction. They'll start to, to get more comfortable with each other and, and you'll start seeing us, you know, spreading the ball out a little bit, uh, taking some chances. Uh, you know, the one thing we need is big plays. You know, we just don't have enough big, big plays where, you know, 50-yard runs, you know, 60-yard passes. Uh, you know, we need more explosive type uh, plays offensively uh, and defensively. You know, we need some turnovers and things like that. So, but I think we'll start seeing those things. I think we'll definitely start seeing them. I think we got the, enough good football players uh, to start getting the job done. Where's your killer instincts, son? You gotta get angry! You gotta get mean! That's the only way you can play! Well, I guess I'm not really an angry person. <laughs> Are you angry now? Vandenberg. And it is intercepted. Penn State takes over. Willis picks it off. Talked about the safeties. Get nosy for Penn State. Where's the weakness? The post. They don't see it. They're trying to force it. Urban talks about robber coverage. That's a safety sitting 10 yards in the middle of the field. Read the quarterback's eyes. Willis. He came into the game with just one interception, but a fumble by Vandenberg, and now an interception by Vandenberg, and Penn State has the football leading by 10. Just a reminder that you can participate in our shows by offering your own comments and opinions on the Hawks. The toll-free hotline is available 24 hours a day. Call 866-74-HAWKS and make your voice heard. Visit HawkeyesMike.com, go to the News and Events section, and check the links for up-to-date information on Iowa games, TV channels, team schedules, and more. Also, check out the game photos and video highlights of Iowa games, other Big Ten action, and teams from across the country. Just click on the Video tab. You can 
can subscribe to All Hawkeyes Mike podcast through iTunes, and you can follow Hawkeyes Mike on Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook. Also, be sure to check out all of the Hawkeye stories, features, and blogs in the Gazette, the Hawkeye, and the Daily Iowan. And listen to Brent Balbinot on Hawkeyes Mike and on the Balbinot and Bromel Camp Show weekdays 4 to 7 p.m. on KGYM AM 1600, ESPN Sports Radio in Cedar Rapids, and at KGYMRadio.com. And broadcast school has really paid off. Hawkeye's Mike football shows are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer, the revolutionary antimicrobial hand sanitizer that is alcohol-free and lasts all day with a single application. Try the hand sanitizer the Iowa Hawkeyes use. And remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by the Marsh Cook Investment Group, Wells Fargo Advisors Financial Network in Coralville, Iowa. Call 319-512-6261 or toll-free 800-883-0842. Marsh Cook, for all your investment needs. Our thanks again to ABC for the game highlights this week, and as always, special thanks to Marv Cook and to Sean Patchett. We hope you've enjoyed this Hawkeyes Mike podcast, that you'll come back for more, and that you'll participate by phoning and making your own voice heard on our shows. Call 866-74-HAWKS. It's all Hawkeyes all the time on HawkeyesMike.com. One passion, many voices. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really, a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.